Yo, 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 it's the 1409 Podcast. I go by the name of KT. It's your boy, Gualamese World. Welcome to episode 92. We got another special guest in here. He putting in that work out in Houston, Texas. You know he's the CEO and founder of Unity as well. We got Mr. Pop Darby in here this evening. How you doing, sir? Hey, what's good, family? I mean, it's still going in and out, but I heard everything except the last sentence you said, so we're going to rock out. What's happening? Uh, family? How y'all doing over there? All good, all good. All right, we got the intro out the way. Let's go and get to the shots. And you, you can't take a shot because you driving, but we got you. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm take the imaginary shot. Yeah. For the show. Y'all gotta say cheers. And- what we toasted to to make sure that we ain't drinking for no reason we gotta have some intention along with it yeah for sure we like to let our guests uh choose what we toasting to because we have some real powerful guests on here you one of those powerful guests so all right uh let's toast to providing value to the world and making our name last longer than our lives for sure for sure do it oh imaginary shot i'm with you all right, we got the shout out the way. We got a little trivia. That's our next little segment. So my trivia for you for for the night is: before the Rockets were in Houston, where did they play? What city? Before the Rockets were in Houston, where did they play? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you 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 probably stole me on that one. I'm trying to think. It, uh, I was shocked too. Nah, 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 nah. I know the Texans was the Dallas Texans before we hit. We got the Oilers. I, I don't know. You got to tell me. San Diego. San Diego. They must was a. Uh, they wasn't no NBA team. Hey, San Diego. <laughs> it was the one year. Nah, nah. I need to know the. the uh, hold on. Let me pull it. Ideology around there. What, what years was that? Let me pull it up. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Like San Diego Rockets. That definitely wasn't. That had to be the CBA or some shit. ABA. <laughs> is it ABA? <laughs> Damn, where is it? Where is it? Okay, there was the San Diego Rockets from 1967 to 1971. And from 1971 to present, it was the Houston Rockets. Damn, that's cold. That's super cold. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. I didn't even know that, but I know I had to find some Houston trivia because you, you, you from Houston and shit. Nah, that's that's cold blood. I like that though. I like that. I I don't I don't not know a lot. Nah, let me not say that. I, I, I nah, you I know, know a lot. I know a little bit about a lot, but I it's a lot that I don't know. Yeah, it's always room for growth. You know what I'm saying I know you be reading sure. up and you do your audio. You you listen to your audio books and things like that. You know we study our guests, so we know a little bit about what you have going on. But so, um, man, sports stars keeping up. All right, I said, uh, we know a little bit of what about what you got going on. We know you know a lot and everything. Sure. <laughs> All right, Mister Pop Darby, tell tell us and the listeners three things that people may not know about you. Man, it's like every time y'all finish a sentence, it start back working. But before that, it be sounding like uh, Jason Voorhees. <laughs> <laughs> all right, 
What you said? No, I can hear good. Well, at least for, for the moment. What you said? Three things that people may not know about you. Damn. It's like I, I can hear yo. I can hear yo mic good, but he is he, he is tripping. So three things that people may not know about you. Three three things people might not know about me. Uh, I don't want to go too far with both. So let me look. We gonna, we gonna start <laughs> off and say, uh, I know how to juggle, right? Uh, I attended a private school for three years in elementary. Don't nobody really too much know that. Okay. And uh, I played tennis when I was young. Uh, you got me with that juggling one. I got you. Got to put that on Instagram for sure. <laughs> yeah, nah, for sure. Easy work. I got you. Okay. <laughs> Already, all right, that's you dope. Play, sure. uh, you play doubles or singles in tennis? Nah, singles. I was a kid, like, I was like eight. Okay, but I used yeah. to be out there really trying to do my thug. Then at the same time, I was in karate, so I think I got up to like a red belt. But we used to go into the competitions, and once they blow the whistle, where it's like, all right, you could go. I was so unorthodox, I'm going and just punching everything down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I see you involved. I see you had like a boxing thing going on like a couple of weeks ago. I, I see you had the kids in the boxing too. Uh, how 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 you got into that? Uh, I mean, it's pretty much like when I look at my childhood and I look at what I do right now with my son, I'm like, bro, not having a dad, you don't know how much you miss. But just being able to prepare him for whether it be sports, whether it be STEM, whether it be school. The conversation that I'm able to have with him, I'm like, man, if I could get him ahead and everything, I mean, by the time he get of age, he gonna already be prepared in some type of some way, form, or fashion. And uh, boxing always been a thing, so you know, it, everybody grew up slap boxing, putting on the glove. So I just want all the littles to be prepared. And I hear in Houston, we got like, at least in my neighborhood or in my district, we got a lot of uh, gun violence. So our primary focus with that was to make sure that people was putting the guns down and we were saying, look, come in the ring. If you got a problem with somebody, y'all could even fight for the money. And, uh, you know, we pushed that for like for like seven weeks, really. Every Sunday we had a packed house where people was in there boxing. And, you know, it wasn't even about people like with real beasts. It was just some people wanted to put their skills on display. But, you know, we didn't have no real incidents there where it, it led off to something else and that kind of just showed how on our side of town we could come together and really you know what I'm saying enjoy uh American delicacy. For sure. Uh and you out there putting in that work for the community right now. You uh you big on community you out there helping the community right now for the listeners and the viewers out there let can you let them know what you up to right now. All right so I mean, a lot of people probably know about what's going on in Texas right now, which is, uh, it's not even, I'm about to call it a hurricane. It's Winter Storm Yuri. Winter Storm Yuri done really took us down, at least in the, every time something happened out here, it'd be like super quick. Like you won't expect it. Like with Harvey, it was to the point where we was watching the, the Floyd Mayweather and, uh, uh, Pacquiao. 
Nah, it wasn't Pacquiao. It was who 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 he was fighting. I think it was Conor McGregor at the time because I was in Vegas for the Pacquiao fight. He was fighting Conor McGregor, and at the end of the fight, the city was flooded, and it was kind of the same thing with this. It was like you know everybody went to sleep, and when they woke up, it was snow outside, and the city was on ice, and really everything was shut down. And at first, you kind of get to the point where you're like, "Oh, it's cool. We playing. We ain't had this." Then you get to realizing, "Oh, we ain't got no power." We ain't got no water. Everybody pipes bursting. People can't be inside their house, and they finna be in here for the next two days, freezing cold, when it's 19 degrees outside, and they ain't got no type of heat. Only thing that's going to save them is the insulation in the walls. People real life having to do whatever just to try to survive. So, uh, you know, I always kick into action when people in need. That's like my, my superpower is, is making sure people get what they need. And uh, since I got a, a large network, we always get people from out of town that's like willing to help. And it seemed like, you know, just being able to do that provides so much for the community because we got blankets, we got towels, we got uh, tubing and supplies. So uh, we getting ready to do mold remediation on like four houses starting in three days. Uh, we got generators. We got so much that's up and pumping right now. Mm -hmm. I'm just finishing off my day. We done fed the homeless earlier. Uh, I passed out a lot of uh, blankets. I passed out a lot of water because everybody water still out. Probably like 90% of the city lights coming back on, but everybody's still without water. So, and then a lot of people who had uh, pipes explode, their houses flooded. So they got to go somewhere else and it might just not be enough for that or their power might still be out. So, I got some people who power uh, still out and we dropping off blankets and towels and jackets for the kids right now. That's what's for up, sure. man. For sure. He's a man of the community. He got them. He always out there doing stuff for the community. Like he, he well known out, out there in Houston for real, for real. Like we ain't even in Houston, but we got like connections in Houston and uh, I mean, they, know, they know about you. Yeah, this 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 is I pretty much centered my life around giving back because I had some ideas that made it feel that made it seem like if I didn't do something, I wasn't doing my part. And the idea was so much bigger than my body that it really didn't matter any kind of I, I couldn't justify not working, not doing this, you know, not giving back, especially when I was able to everybody not able to operate in certain places. And since I can, I got to use that to my advantage. All right, for sure. So we see you attended Prairie View. Do you feel like your time at HBCU helped mold who you are today as a person? Mm, man, this is what I can say. I got this. I got. I, I wrote this uh, log about like the things you should do before thirty, and I put attending college. Period. I'm not even gonna. I never. Well, I went up to regular college campuses of predominantly white institutions, but just the fact that I was able to attend college for those years, I can say it it changed my outlook on life because I had a, a new horizon. I had a different type of woman. I had a different everything. What I, the person I went in, I graduated high school when I was 17 years old. I, I went in expecting to, you know, be a good student, but let me see, this was years ago, so I can say my, my, I went to school with uh, this back then. This when people were still smoking Reggie. I went to school with five bowls of Reggie. Like we finna go, I'm finna go crazy on this campus. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that was really, I mean, that wasn't my mentality at the time because I went to school for mechanical engineering. I was still, you know what I'm saying? I was best dressed in class. I was prom king. I was well known. But as far as like getting money, I knew being around 10,000 people at a time, it wouldn't be no, it's no way that I wouldn't be able to get some money. So, you know, I had a different type of mentality. And as I was there, it transformed from the way that you dress, from the outlook on people. Uh, I mean, even how you able to communicate is it, just wherever I go right now in the world, I got somebody from Prairie View that I can call that's going to be able to pull up on me from Los Angeles to Atlanta to anywhere I've been. And that network really changed my life. And network equals net worth for sure. Yeah, nah, for real, for real. So at, at what point did you decide that you wanted to, you know what I'm saying, be in business for yourself? Uh, I pretty much always had some type of side hustle of business going for myself. Uh, you know, everybody was saying, selling candy in school. Uh, when I was younger, in my 20s, I, I, I had a, uh, well, I just turned 30, but I had a gambling shack, and that was pretty profitable. So it, it was like we was, I mean, you from the streets, you gonna hustle. But when I was leaving Prairie View, like I say, I, I went to school for mechanical engineering. I'm math and science is like my thing. And I was doing logistics for a private contractor who owned FedEx routes. And as I was doing his logistics, I already had a clothing, I already had clothing uh, and some other stuff. And I was building software for other people. But what I realized was neighborhoods like third ward is seven seven zero zero four zip code that we had that my zip code is seven seven oh four seven and i'm looking at it like bro these neighborhoods uh they average income are below thirty two thousand they below poverty on average and these this millionaires and all that in this neighborhood but on average is below poverty but every month they spending a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand to ship packages and that don't include the prices that they paying for the package it's just what they paying the ship, like that $10 fee, that $20 fee or whatnot. So I'm like, bro, if these low-income communities have access to this much capital, there's no reason they shouldn't be putting this together to create their own form of banking, to microfinance each other projects. Because if I'm living in a house and I got 5,000 people living around me and everybody poor, that literally do not make sense. When I could say, hey, it's 5,000 houses over here. If every house give me $20, we're going to have $100,000 today. So... For us to not be generating our own income and to constantly flush it out, bro. And then I was already up on game. You know, I was, was I, I studied uh, Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and Honorable Elijah Muhammad and all these people so early that at first consciousness was like, all right, that's cool. Well, we know the information, but we didn't yeah. do nothing with it. And that was where, like, damn, Elijah Muhammad program was $7 a week. And he was able to take $28 a month and turn it into a whole nation inside of a nation. So if he was able to do that, imagine what we could actually do if we were putting different, you know, scenarios to use right now in the age of technology and information. Well, bro, it's, it's no time in the, in the world before where people have been able to go on the phone and talk to 50,000, 40,000, and 100,000 people at a time. So I'm like, bro. All right, 
I'm gonna find a, 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 a some type of business who does this, like who microfinances in the hood and you know creates a bank and teaches business development. And I couldn't find it, so I start going to all these other organizations and just find out like, damn, nobody really do this from the NAACP to uh, uh, literally anybody you can name. Nobody did this, so I'm like, all right. We're going to just create it ourselves. So that's oh, how yeah. I started my business. And since I designed software, I just built the app myself. That's so. dope. So you feel like, what you feel like your biggest concern or fear was coming into like working for yourself, self-employment thing and, that, and things of that set? Uh, Stability is not guaranteed. So, you know, everybody want to be able to pay their bills. So even me, I, uh, with all my little side hustles, I think at the time I had $17,000. I took $17,000. I stopped working. I retired. I was 24. I was like, all right, I ain't going to work no more. And whatever happened, happened. But I had 17 bands. I felt like that was going to be enough. To like really give me some leeway to do what I need to do, but I was living such a my car note was like eight hundred dollars. My rent was twenty two hundred. No, yeah, my rent was twenty two hundred. So once I started and I realized how much work it took, I didn't have no fear at the beginning. I just really jumped off the meter and was like, "All right, we're gonna make it work." And I never really gained a, 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 a kind of feel. It, it was more or less about damn, I gotta put more strategy into what I do because you never don't have enough money. You just don't have enough creativity. And I never wanted to be in front of like cameras. So sitting up making Instagram videos was never going to be my aim. So what I did was just basically like, all right, we're going to get creative. We're going to start making Instagram videos. So if you look at like my 2016 to 2019 content, it's super different than what I'm making right now because I was literally focusing on just uh putting out things that I knew people needed information on and making sure, yeah, I'm in front of these people's highs and I keep driving around. I just want to make sure this is the right one. Excuse me. But I, I wasn't scared of nothing. I just spent a lot of money in my start. And I felt like uh, when I ran out of money, that was going to be it. But in actuality, it nev it's, it's never a point where that's it. You just, you just get into the good part where you're going to have to reach to the inside of yourself and really find something else. So, like that, like that. So, uh, what do you say, Guala? <laughs> nah, I, I, I can hear y'all, I can hear y'all. Okay, all right. So, uh, what do you feel like the pros and cons of self-employment are? Uh, the pros of freedom. Like, I remember I used to be working and I couldn't, for the life of me, like, enjoy as much time with my kids. I wasn't able to go to they programs. I wasn't able to go to, uh, like, I literally go to my son's school right now and teach a class to other kids in there. I ain't no way I'd have been able to do that just by depending on a check. That freedom is is better than money. That's the bit the benefits of self employment because if I have zero dollars in my pocket, but I could, I have the opportunity to go work and wiggle. That's way better than having a hundred dollars in my pocket and no opportunity. Already. So you said that's the pro. No, no cons. No cons at all. I ain't hear you. It was skipping. What you said? 
I say you said the pros, so that there's no cons. It's on that. It's on that snide again. Oh uh, damn! Now nah, I, <laughs> I, I heard that. Oh uh, damn! I hear. You. I said there's no cons. Uh, the cons of of entrepreneurship are the fact that nothing is guaranteed, and you're gonna have to work harder for this than anything you did in your life. It's like when you gotta go to the gym, right? You can't go and and hope that some that somebody else take your body and do your push-ups for you. It mm -hmm. ain't it don't really matter who you hire, it don't matter what you have in place. If you're not putting in that work, you're gonna feel it and it's gonna hit your pocket harder than it ever hit before. And now since you don't have no kind of uh stable job that's gonna hold up to make sure that you pay your bills, you'll literally be out on your ass. And the fucked up part about it is that a lot of times people will sacrifice their talent for money because their talent don't bring them anything. So they'll start working on things that are that are extrinsic, like it, it don't serve them no purpose to just bring them money instead of intrinsically working on what you love to do because you love to do it and, and making it make you money. And that's how you give your life away because you sacrifice your talent for money. And in entrepreneurship, you have the ability to operate within your talent and still try to make some money. Thanks. So you got you have started Unity as well. Can you explain Unity as well in your own words? Uh, to describe Unity as well, I would say it's a micro five. I got a pitch that I can give y'all, but I'm not gonna give y'all a pitch. I'm gonna say like the actual background behind it. So it's a dude named Muhammad Yanis in Bangladesh. Muhammad Yanis started microfinance, but he started it in a third world country. And in the third world country in Bangladesh. It was more or less like, uh, let's say it's 18 neighbors and we all poor. I'm going to give one person a lawnmower and he's going to start cutting grass. I'm going to give another person uh, paint and they're going to start painting houses. I'm going to teach another person how to do electricity. They So they used resources to generate jobs, which generated revenue for the entire neighborhood. And then they put it inside of a pot so that they can constantly build out what they wanted. And these are people who was living in third world countries that were able to like pave the streets, build brick houses and literally start their own neighborhood and build their own bank. So when I looked at like America, I'm like, but we have the opportunity to be able to do so much and to be able to build our own. And it, I'm not talking about insurrection when I say build our own government. I'm saying a nation within a nation that actually worked for us. So when we look at what everybody's talking about, uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah right now, right? But the purpose of the Black Panthers was to make sure that everybody was being taken care of. They had different programs that was going on where they was watching the police, making sure that they wasn't abusing people. They had uh, food programs. All of this is different things that you can do when you have access to capital. So when I look at a neighborhood and I say, okay, this neighborhood got 100,000 people, 18,000 houses. If we take 10,000 of these houses and they putting up $20 a month, well, now we're going to have 200 grand a month to be able to circulate amongst this community. So I can make it to, well, it's a book called Powernomics. And inside Powernomics, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Claude Dr. Anderson, Anderson. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Claude Anderson, he do the equation and say, hey, we got, uh, this was 2016, we had like a $1.1 trillion spending power. And he said, if we take this money, and circulated amongst 45 million black Americans for two years. One third of this money circulated for two years will make every black family a millionaire. So what I did was I took that equation and I seen how I could create a formula to create 
uh, millionaires out of back families in two years. And it was basically out of $20 a month. So we say, okay, if you got a million black people putting up $20 a month, every month you'll have $20 million in circulation. And if you issue out one third of that to people with ideas to be able to, like an incubator. So not only are they donating, they're not donating $20 a month. They're going to pay $20 a month and get four classes every, every week. I mean, they get a class, uh, four classes every month, every Monday at uh, eight, eight o'clock and it's going to be on different things. So now I will give them the business development tips that they need on how to build a credit, on how to write a business plan, on how to attain everything that they want, set up their website, set up their uh, drop shipping. And now once I give you this blueprint, I'll fund your project if you can write out what you believe in. That way, after a couple of years, if we have enough people that, like Fred have to say, man, wherever people are, there's power. So generating power is more or less like an electrical circuit. That currency gets in operation and then it flows around the whole thing. Anything you touch gets activated. So if we want to generate power, we have to use currency because it's not just called that by chance. It's how you make things electric. I can give anybody a million dollars. It's going to change their life. But if they have the, the, the steps and the tools and the, the wherewithal to know what exactly what to do with that million dollars to create generational wealth, it's going to change their family life and their whole neighborhood. Because once I put one person on, he he going to hire 10 people. Some of them going to be his family. Then his homeboy is going to be on. So it's more or less about just understanding how that we can, how we can circulate wealth by creating a system in this nation. Facts, man. You talking some powerful stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. Now, nah, when I do the math on this, if we was to get, let's say, when I get to 2,500 members, right? we pretty much going to be unstoppable to the point where we doing so much in the community and we're giving back so much money that every month, whoever is getting awarded, they're going to be getting like 10 bands, 20 bands just to really operate how they need to operate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying 5,000 people with $20 is a hundred grand a month circulating a hundred grand a month amongst 5,000 people. I can literally build families out. Sure. So I, I got a question for you that's kind of different. You heard about uh, the situation in Georgia. What happened they, in Georgia? They bought they bought this town. You heard about that one? Which it, uh, maybe I don't know if they bought it, but I think I know somebody. They're supposed to be building a town called Freedom, Georgia. Oh no, nah, I ain't heard about that one. Okay, oh, is this is this the nineteen families that put their money together? Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know it was called Freedom, Georgia. But hey, that's yeah. a, that's what they want to name it, Freedom Georgia. Okay, yeah, nah, me and uh, Nineteen Keys was just talking about that because of the way that we have resources to where other people are now starting to donate land. Like we got like five different acres in five different states where people is like, look, I got an acre sitting right here. Whatever y'all want to do, whatever y'all want to build on it, let's just get to work. And we was talking about them because they said something like that where they have a plan for certain parts of it. And then the other parts, yeah. they just gonna do whatever. So, so how you feel about something like that? Being that you very hit with Dr. Claude Anderson, and you know he uh basically break down the things that you need to have, you know, what I'm saying to consider yourself a community. How you feel about that? I mean, I, I feel like it's more than possible to be able to do it. Uh, the only thing that ever hinders us is not having the capital. And once we get to the realization that the people are the money. And we grabbing the money, man, 
building out the infrastructure is the easy part. It's just bringing the people together. That's the hard part. And once they, they already did it, so they're not going to have no hindrance. They already got uh, the push behind them. They know what people are at the top. They know who is what. So they're not going to have a hard part. Now, for the rest of the country, it's like hundreds of acres of land for sale across it. And some of it is expensive. Some of it is high prices. Some of it is in good parts of town. Well, like out here in Houston, we have uh, unincorporated lands, which is like uh, Umble and Kingwood area. Mm-hmm. People own that. Like literal people own that. And you can put up enough money and go buy it. They have their own mayors and shit like that. So my neighborhood I'm from is called Sunnyside. Houston annexed it in 1953. But before that, it was a black owned town. So when people say like Sunnyside, Texas, they just be claiming they hood, but they don't know Sunnyside, Texas was literally a black owned town until 1953. And that is so possible. The only reason it uh, is not more black owned towns right now is because these big incorporated towns are annexing the little towns, making them become a part of their uh, government. And the only thing that they provide to them are police policing. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. That's one question I was asked. You mentioned about humble and the other place you mentioned is uh, that land like adjacent to the city limits of Houston, where they would probably buy that and annex it into the city of Houston. Nah, they already did, but it's still unincorporated, so you can go buy it and you mm-hmm. would be the owner of it, but it would be part of the city of Houston. Okay, I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. uh, bro, I ain't gonna lie, that shit is crazy it, it, when you really like look into. Unincorporated land, it's th- it throw you off because you're like, damn, we, I ain't even know this existed like this. Yeah, man, they just expanded. You know, Houston's already like six hundred and something square miles. I guess they try to get to seven hundred, six hundred and sixty-six square feet. But now they include about letting they six hundred sixty-six. What they don't include is it's like other unincorporated uh, parts like uh, Richmond, Rosenberg, and little stuff like that, which is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the outskirts of a city. So people, if they from there, they're not going to be like, I'm from Rosenberg. When you ask somebody from another state, they're going to be like, I'm from Houston. But in actuality, they're not from Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the ultimate goal of Wealth Tribe Apparel? Uh, that's our merch line for what we got going on with. Uh, we actually have a company called Wealth Tribe where it's 54 different people and we we put in a thousand dollars a piece and we took fifty four thousand dollars and we do drop shipping uh we making investments in the stock market we making investments in uh well we got some bitcoin that been sitting since 2017 that's doing pretty good and we basically just seeing how as a team we can make our money grow and that's just a part of that to make sure that we got different things you know we got to be diversified in our portfolio yeah, and we gotta right. we gotta work toward these multiple streams of income. So, I mean, every type of hustle that people do on the normal, we just trying to turn into legit business. So, uh, we already had clothing, so it's no reason for us to not get on uh, Shopify and create a drop shipping site that every that everybody can promote and we can share the wealth with. Then we back though got uh, a CMOS company. Then we back though. I ran for city council last year. They pushed me with that. Uh, I mean, it just, it's a lot. We, we, we just operationalize. 
Uh, don't give up on running no city council, man. You you can you can you can get you can attain that goal for sure. For sure, yeah. you know, I feel like you should run again. Keep nah, running till they say you can't run no more, dog. No, 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 because I'm not into politics like that. I I ran because my homegirl was running for mayor. Her name Demetrius Smith, and on my I had a podcast last year, and she came on the podcast, and I'm asking her like, bro, who run? Like I'm telling her. That shit don't matter. Like, no matter who is in position, they don't have enough power to make a difference. And she like, well, it really ain't nothing to run for a position. All you got to do is sign some papers. And she was like, well, come with me tomorrow. It was it was like a, a it was a Thursday, and she was like, come with me Wednesday, and we gonna go up to this uh city hall. So I didn't go, but she brought me the papers, and she was like, here, fill this out. I filled it out. Uh, I back though. I get to going every time people running for something, they be calling me. So my homeboy now, name is Rashad Cave. He was running for city council. And one of the OGs from my hood was like, bro, I want you to holler at bro to see what he talking about. Cause Scarface was running too. And he would like to see what he talking about to see who you gonna support. Woo 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 woo. And uh I was like, cool. I went up, talked to him, and heard what his feel. I liked it. And my whole thing is about technology and inclusion because no government includes technology in anything that they got going on. They operate like it's still 1776, but they don't have no platform. Like only thing they might do is send out an email or text message blast. That's the max that they do. Like, well, I don't think governments understand how powerful technology is to this day. So uh, he was like, he was with it. So I'm like, man, how many people run? He tell me 17 and I look at the list. I'm like, bro, you know who that is right there? He say, bro, that's you, huh? Like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's me. I didn't even know. But then I remember she put my name on the thing. So I was like, I'm going to still help you. I'm not going to run. But when I went up to uh, City Hall, they told me I couldn't run because the Secretary of State in Texas got fired for making people... Uh, unregistered after Obama got elected and it was mostly black college students that was that unregistered that he unregistered he got fired and so I wasn't registered to vote see and I'm like bro I registered to vote in 2008 when I when I when I was voting for Obama I was 18 years old the first time I voted and uh they were like well now nah, you can't run all that you can do is be a write-in on the ballot and I was like I bet make me a write-in so then I actually ran but it, it, I never had like a political aspiration to want to do nothing like that. I just wanted to get inside of the net, to get inside of it to see what kind of actual difference they made, and then to meet the people and to deliver my message on those platforms. So I, I was running super ghetto. I was I was going crazy. But <laughs> T C T Coop said it was quite a journey. It, nah, it was crazy. It was it was it was crazy for real for real. But uh. I, I would it's it's definitely something I don't regret. Uh but I, I just wanted to really put my mindset on other people because once somebody hears something, they that brain like a rubber band, you can't unhear it. So once you see that our district got two hundred thousand people in it and most over fifty percent are in poverty, that don't make sense. Like the math don't make sense. Especially when like states charge taxes and Texas is like an independent uh 
independent state clearly we see because they talking about their own power grid but mm-hmm. we could back though and, and look at well these this neighborhood this district can literally be self-sufficient if we use each part of it for what is good for and then i i set up like a whole to where block parties were uh gatherings for kids to get into programs i set up where every school had a stem and a stream program i set up a breakfast program i set up community policing all on paper so that they could see how possible it was how much it would cost and like bro i I really gave it to them like i gave it to them in their hand so i I like the fact that we was able to do that for real yeah, like you, you doing the thing out there. We've been following you for a few months, so we already know. Yeah. I, actually, I actually met you at the Girl Boss Suites uh, grand yeah, opening. Yeah, yeah, at the so grand opening. Been following you since then. I was on the go trying to make things shaking happen that day. Yeah, yeah, busy. You, you, you booked and busy, man. Like that's, nah, that's the way to I be. I ain't, I ain't booked and busy though. I ain't, I ain't booked and busy. I'm, I, I just uh. I help so many people that it's always something to do. So it ain't like you booked and busy. It's more or less like I'm trying to make sure, like that's my requirement to make sure people got what they need. And if they don't, then I'm finna go make sure that they get it. For sure. So you mentioned with the um the wealth tribe apparel. So is minding my black owned business that that exact term is that trademarked by you or is it? Now I need to trademark it. I made that one day. We was on a podcast, and my partner was talking about minding his business, and I'm like, "No, nah, I'm minding my black on business." So I just started putting it on everything after that. And uh, I mean, it'd be selling good, bro. It's so many different things that we be set. Like, I don't know if you ever seen them shirts that say, "I am my ancestors' wildest dreams," bro. I started making shirts in like 2011. That was one of the first shirts. Bro, I've seen that shirt on shows on everybody. And yeah, you got trademark that man. You, <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I guess nobody you didn't see nobody like making counterfeit of it, so maybe nah. Like, but some some things are for the world, though. I, you know, some things if, uh, belong to you, and some things is for the world. If they take it and do it better than you, then now you did your job. I feel um, that's well put. Like I never thought of it like that. So yeah, yeah now nah, nah, our, our talents is not really for us. I love to get my, like I used to, like I say, in 2016, every day I probably posted three videos a day on Instagram. Now I can go, I probably go weeks without posting now, unless I'm playing. But back then I was like being real serious and giving people real game. And I wasn't like trying to make it to where they had to pay for nothing because shit, I want somebody to take my idea and steal it and to go be successful with it. Because if I got the idea and I wasn't doing what I need to do with it, somebody else could take it and really change their life. And I'd rather see that than just sit on it. So I, I got I got Unity as well trademark though. For sure. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you gotta got that trademark. Yeah, trademark. You do you do it, you do it a lot with that. My creation. Yeah. yeah. Do we uh <laughs> do we talk about 40 for 40 acres? Oh, okay. So for, yeah. so 40 for 40 acres is all right. So legally, when I was running, what I found out was you can't call a lot of things a crowdfund, but you can call things a union. And when you look into the history of unions, you like, uh, not to say that these people did it the right way, but the mafia <laughs> operated through unions. 
they ran the unions. And if you remember Jimmy Hoffa, who disappeared, uh, he was the president of the union, the workers union. And what they did was everybody who got a check started putting like, it might have been whatever. It's like, a, just like you get a check right now and they take the taxes out. They took out the union fees. And they union fees every month, they was doing like millions of dollars. And Jimmy Hoffa was the president of the union, so he managed the money. So I'm like, all right, how can we create a union inside of in, inside of what we're doing outside of, not outside of unity as well, but that's a part of unity as well, so people to understand it politically. And that's what the 40 for 40 is, because we were looking at different towns that were for sale. And one of them was like $2 million. And I put randomly on the ground, like, I don't know if people realize it, but if it's 50,000 of us on here and we all put up $40, we could raise $2 million in a night. And I already had a tab for the union. So I was like, if y'all want to join a union that's about this, then click that button and shit is there. So I think it was already like a hundred and some people in that union, but by the next month, it was like a group of 600 people that really understood that we could put our money together and do whatever we want with it and keep on pushing. So legally that, that was the 40 for 40 is not calling the crowdfund. It's a building a union with a one-time fee. So when people get inside of it, we can say, all right, y'all, we raised this much money. And now what you do after you build a union is you become a member of the union and you can pay a subscription fee. That's how they did it back in the day, but they did it to where it wasn't, uh, it was mandatory. If you got a job, you automatically pay the union. So, I mean, everybody been to Las Vegas, but Las Vegas was built with union fees from the mafia. So, looking at buying land and turning it into something that make a profit is, we got clear examples. Now we just got to, like, repeat them, but for us. Facts, big facts. Oh, for sure, man. It's a lot of mob ties with this Vegas thing. Yeah, after if you go back and look at history, you you you'll definitely see that. For real, nah, for real, for real, for real. So since you're talking about Vegas and things like that, has there been any travel involved with your line of work? Man, I ain't hear what you said. The phone was doing that Robocop shit. (laughs) I said, has there been any travel involved with your line of work? Since you talk about Vegas and everything, oh uh, yeah, I, I, we didn't. Uh, I didn't had a meeting in probably every city when I first started. It was called Creative Group Economics, and then we changed it to Unity as well. But I had a Unity as well for me, and I'm trying. Let me think of the cities I've been to. And when I go to the city, I don't just like go have an event and leave. I always go a couple days early. Like whoever I know there, we gonna chop game. We're going to have a meeting. I'm going to check out what they organizations got going on. We're going to see what we can do. And then we're going to have our event. And shit, we're going to try to keep on building. So pretty much in every city, I got somebody that's boots on the ground. We done been to Chicago with the Nation of Islam. We went to Detroit with New Era Detroit. We went to Los Angeles. It's a it's my guy. His name is... uh. Name he, my, the dude name is Flip. His his name is Life of Flip on the ground. Well, he deleted his Instagram, but he built technology. But it's an actual church that he worked with that we had our meeting at, and we work with that church to this day. Uh, I went to San Diego. I went to Atlanta, Washington D.C. 
Tampa, Miami, New York, Rhode Island. Bro, we I done been all I done been everywhere. We I hit China, uh going to the to the districts to look at how they make their clothes like a complete brand makeover, not just like screen printing and heat press. We want to actually get the right type type of materials. And then mm -hmm. we went to the technology hub in China and Thailand that show you where you can like private label anything. And I was looking at like headphones and uh projectors, it's all kind of stuff we were looking at. But uh my goal was to create a virtual reality room. Like when kids come to something, this is what I wanted to do for 2020, but Corona stopped it. Kids come somewhere, everything in there is virtual reality gaming. But they can learn ed education the same way that they can play. So what I do with the school district is called social emotional learning, where we take uh, kids' triggers and allow them to learn through their triggers. Through virtual reality. It's RoboCop. Uh, I said through virtual reality. Do I do virtual reality? I said that's through virtual reality, the kids yeah, learning? It's through, it's through virtual reality learning. But it's more or less like working on anxiety. So if you put on virtual reality goggles, you might be on something that look like you standing on the edge of a of a, a mountain or the edge of a building and you know it's not real but your body will react like it's real so you can't step off the edge or we'll have them walking on the bridge and just looking at kids like they got on virtual reality goggles so it feels so real to them but they really tiptoeing through the bridge and it's like i tell them step off the bridge and they can't do it like i can't I can't because it feel like you. It feel like something gonna happen to you. And we would just we compare that to how the world is built up in augmented reality. So imagine everything around here being a flat surface, and someone builds up buildings, and they make it to seem as if you have to drive on this road like this, as if you have to turn this way, and they create uh, scenarios and systems inside this that you have to fit into. But in actuality, none of this exists. You can step off road and take your own route. So it's just like giving a mind a new analysis on how to operate in reality through virtual reality. So, now our third, fourth, and fifth graders at Wilson Elementary is super impressive. I ain't gonna lie, and they in the hood. Yeah, you gotta have that good programs out there. Like people, people forget. People tend to forget about those areas, but those areas need those resources as well and you provide those resources so you really like a legend out here like for real for real man they they don't have a living teach, legend if you if you teach the hood you change the world bro the most impactful thing on the planet is hip-hop right now hip-hop is fairly new but it got the biggest influence you can make anything anybody do anything through a song you know what i'm saying so shit imagine if we influencing the next generation of hip-hop or influencing the next generation of change makers we got to be the ones to give them the game to actually like set it up when you look at how systems change through time bro these people playing this out they got this thing on uh, youtube called the secret to selling the negro in 1952 and the secret oh, selling, yeah that's deep because when you look at it it's still the same thing today people still buying the same type of habits that they was talking about in 1952 and just in the way that they created something pre-civil rights to say, hey, look, these people are spending millions of dollars. We need to go get their dollars. 
They got money that's for us. We don't even do that for ourselves. So if you got a whole nation that's putting out press releases like, look, these people spend millions of dollars, this how you get it. Well, we gotta do that for ourselves. You're right. So uh uh you uh you talked about the seed moss. Are you uh using a plant-based diet? Are you vegan? Yeah, I've been vegetarian for four years. Well, five years now. All right, so you are heavy on the soul food vegan and places like that out in Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so soul food vegan is my partner restaurant. Like, we brung to life. I, uh, his name, uh, t- well, his name is Tramon, but it's Talik Heru on Instagram. And that was another one where it's like an idea that we just wanted to turn into something real. We went through like five different locations where we thought we was going to have soul food vegan. I'm talking about months of work. We actually built our kitchens and everything. And we had to keep starting over. But when he got the location that he had now, and we started to work in there, it felt like magic. Shit. Now it's a whole soul food vegan that exists. That was something we saw come from imagination to reality. Yeah, we're gonna be out there next week. We about to check that shit out for sure. For sure, ah, come on, come on, come on, pull up on us. Yeah, I got a couple spots for you to pull up to, actually. Hey, I'm gonna be in touch with you. we drowned it down, and uh, yeah, for real. Eventful, <laughs> eventful, in a couple of yeah. Now, nah, we gonna turn up then. I ain't just like, I mean, I'm all positive, but we be having fun. Yeah, we we gonna fill you in on what we got going on <laughs> offline for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, nah, we be really getting it in right here. So, what led to your decision to get into being plant based and things of that such? Uh, I, I guess I would say studying because a lot of people look at it and like I was eating something the other day, and somebody was like, you know, just because you don't eat it, the the animals still gonna die. I'm like, I'm not eating this to save no fucking animals. I don't really give. That ain't why I'm. Uh, <laughs> that's not why I'm doing it. I'm not trying to save no cows, bro. I uh, bro, when you think about like eating clean and having thoughts, we talk about purification. So you had this thing called your intrinsic nervous system. So when, when all right, put it like this: when people say they're having a gut feeling, that's not like by chance. Your gut is lined with neurons, millions of them, just like your brain. So what you eat is literally what you think. And if the sun carries information uh, through photons, then if we're going to photons biologically embed. So whatever we eat, we want it to be directly from the cosmos. We don't want it to be some engineer shit that people put whatever they put into it or an animal that, you know, got killed in the slaughter and, we take on what they what they uh, they feel us. We want to literally eat God food, and it got to be from the combo. I want to eat straight from the ground, and the only thing that I miss up on is cheese, and I'm trying to cut that out right now. But uh, that was really my focus on going plant based because, bro, your intrinsic nervous system is connected from your gut all the way to your brain. They say the stomach is the second brain, man. It is. It's a real brain in there. It's really lined with neurons and it, it your whole body is lined with them. So whatever, however you want to think, however you want to be impactful, if you want to have clear thoughts without like 
not to say you don't have to meditate and all that, but that goes along with it. If you're going to meditate, you want your body to be as alkaline as possible because you want to receive downloads. And that's about having your mind clear. And the only way that you can have your mind clear is to not have that junk inside of it. Yeah, I'm down. I gave up the red meat, so I'm down on the right path for those situations. Nah, I do like the it, it ain't even like it's something that people gotta do. I don't never push it like nah, yeah, I don't you gotta be either. on this. If it, if it's your choice, it's your choice. If not, it's cool because it ain't like you can't operate without it. People, the most successful people in the world is, is eating what they want to do and do what makes you happy. If, it, if eating meat make you happy, then do it. Yeah, but people got to know that this vegan food, it ain't just like lettuce and shit like that. It's some good shit. Yeah, yeah, people yeah, got yeah, people yeah, got yeah. to know. People got to know about that shit for real. Look, now nah, my partner always say when we be talking about vegan food, people be thinking we be frying flowers on the barbecue pit. Like, <laughs> hell nah, it's it's more all right. People never really ate. People only taste vegan food because herbs and seasoning is vegan. You never ate just plain ass meat. You don't know how raw meat tastes. You season it, then you cook it. So what you tasting is the vegan food. That's why they could say, uh, this is uh this shit gonna taste like chicken. Because they gonna season it and fly and flavor it like chicken. You're not actually tasting chicken, you're tasting the seasoning. It's the only difference between the taste is gonna be the texture of the meat. Mm -hmm. No, no uh pause, but the texture. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that that's that's that gonna is. be the main difference. It ain't gonna be like, come on, bro. Well, ain't nobody ate plain ass meat before. I mean, motherfuckers done had to do it, but nobody want to do it. Not, bro, I ain't never ate unseasoned meat. <laughs> You ain't never had no bland meat. <laughs> that thing Man, bland. If, I, if, if, if I did, if I did, I threw it away. I'm saying, like in other civilizations where it wasn't that type of seasoning, the herbs available at that time, they had to do that. Oh, do shit! But most of the time, it depends what civilization you're looking at. Like herbs and seasoning come from 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 Mother Africa, so it ain't like they was out there eating without seasoning. They they seasoning everything. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, African. I know y'all got some African restaurants out there too, so you already know it got the spices in there. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Come on now. We we got uh what is called Lucille's man, it's an Ethiopian restaurant. That's when I really learned like they got the spices where it's still on your hand after you get done eating. Yeah, yeah that'd be spicy then. <laughs> that shit come probably come out spicy. Uh, <laughs> so what else what else you got planned for the 2021 uh i mean i got a building that we we working on turning to uh basically an incubator and a co-working space in the middle of the hood that's gonna have a lot of the technology in there so people can really operate how they need to operate uh we really don't grow unity as well to the point where we can give out my goal is to give out at least twenty five thousand dollars a month uh, uh, we up in programs when it come to like, what is this shit called? Uh, my in school program paused because of Corona, so we was in eight schools. I'm only able to operate in two schools right now, so we changing that. Right, we just really turning up on everything we've been doing and taking it to the next level. 
Thanks. Yeah, these people in the comments go crazy. Like, yeah. What is he talking about? Uh, I guess we got fans in here. But uh, yeah, they dancing where I'm at, battling yeah. allergies right now. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, how important is networking to you, Mister Pop Darby? How important is networking? Yeah. Man, I mean, earlier we said your network is your net worth, but mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm gonna describe it like this, right? Because I, I'm I'm not even the best person at keeping relationships because I don't like follow up. But what I do know is if I keep it so solid with people that even when I fuck up, they know that I'm solid. So I don't got to like try to repair my relationships, but I can survive just through my network. For example, like this, when we make our clothes, I got a homeboy that I met who owns a clothing store. He puts my clothes in there on consignment. So after they, I put 10 hoodies in there the other day, he called me and was like, Hey, I got $600 for you. Come pick it up. You know what I'm saying? And that's every week. Same thing with Seamoss. I put them in a, a, a bodega, and they call me at the end of the week, and I go pick it up. And it's because I built a relationship with these people, and I created products that they could benefit from. or And I created a system that I could market for them. So now, just because of what I already have access to, I literally, surviving is easy for me. Now I can focus on what I actually want to do and I don't have to try to make money all day long or try to make Instagram posts so that I can, you know, get the attention. I don't got to focus on attention. I could just put everything that I need to where it needs to go and all my money make money for me. Facts. Through through people, not even through making investments, just because I know certain people, I can, they are paycheck. Facts. And I'm one of the people that tell people like, use me, use shit. I ain't taking no offense if somebody said they trying to use me. Use me. What else? I, what I'm good for if my people can't use me? Facts, man. A lot of people don't have that mentality though. Like nah, everybody, get, everybody get used. Like man, everybody I, get used. Because I'm gonna say, like for sure, I want to use somebody. I'm not trying to just know nobody. No, I need to use you. What I know, what yeah. good is knowing you. Need to tap in some of your connections, tap in what you got going on. You feel me? Like, yeah, shit, man. Like they say, it's six degrees of separation. You never know who people know. And then the way compound interest work, we say if you take a dollar and you double it every day after 21 days, you'll have a million dollars. But if we take that out of money and we say if you take a person and they introduce you to two people every day after 21 days. And each person that they introduce, each per each person you can introduce to, introduce you to two more people. After 21 days, you have met a million people. So how important is networking? If we can have a million person networking in 21 days, if we all have going back 20 generations, we all have over a million grandparents. We really need to know who is who. Yeah, yeah, I remember you saying something about that a few days on live. I tapped into one of your lives. You was uh, going into that. You went in. You went in even a little deeper right here. So we definitely appreciate that. Yeah, nah, for real. So speaking of podcasts, how many times have you been on a podcast as a guest? I know you've been the host of a podcast. How many times have you been interviewed on the radio and podcast things like that? Yeah, well, hundreds of times. I can't even count. Now, I ain't gonna say a hundred, probably, probably like 50 or something like that. 
That's still I, up there, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been on a lot of podcasts. I've been a lot of I, I, <laughs> shit. Like in, I was doing a run. I was doing like two podcasts a week. Other people podcasts when I had my podcast. Yeah, that's the way to be for sure. Like, <laughs> nah, cause that's how you keep it going, especially if you got it. A podcast going like when I bring my podcast back, I'm gonna have y'all on there for sure. Just for so because sure. when you come on, just like on Earn Your Leisure, right? The bigger your brand get, people go watch your old shit, and then you can grow everybody that came on there with you. Yeah, so Earn Your like, Leisure is dope as fuck, like for real. Like the coldest. They be, they be the coldest. having that shit on there. The coldest yeah. because it's about providing content and having good people on the show. Mm-hmm. And then the content is pretty much like timeless. It's like like it's not like the the shit they they teaching you on that episode. It's not like that shit is going to inspire. Like most yeah. of the information is still going to apply like a year from when it was aired. Yeah, it, and it's about how they're getting into each person's life. Like uh, Ian Dunlap from Houston, he out here, and just the conversations that we had on the phone is more or less about like how can we sit and understand each other to a point where i see how you got to where you are and they're gonna ask you step by step like what did you do what was your first step to do this what was your third step after that fail and when you really because some shit you can't think about your answers you just gotta all right damn what did i do and then when you think about you come out with them jewels and that amazement where you like damn i really did some amazing shit i ain't even know i was just flying off the radar yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Sips of water. <laughs> All right, uh, so what's your uh, favorite episode of the 1409 podcast? I, I, it sounds like you said thank you. All I heard was Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite episode of the 1409 podcast? Now it's going to be this one. <laughs> <laughs> now it's going to be this one. And that ain't fair. You can't you can't say this on you because we already know it's gonna be your favorite, but uh, it's been quite a few people that you probably know. I, 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 I'm I'm gonna have to go with with uh my unity of wealth family. Uh who I was why I watched somebody's show the other day. Was it T Coop? Yeah, he was on here. But I no, I just watched this the other day. Me and my partner were watching now. Yeah, it was cool because I was talking about his ass. <laughs> yeah, he was on here. Rashida was on here. See, now y'all gonna be trying to make me choose. I didn't watch Rashida's yet, though. I watched T2. Oh, yeah, they oh, both had one y'all, y'all posted one. It's the one y'all posted. Uh, Rashida, we posted, I po- we posted like yesterday a clip of it. I thought it was T2. It might have been Rashida, but I, I ain't choosing everybody. It was back to back. I ain't choosing everybody that was on here from Unity as well is my favorite, and we're finna get ready. I'm finna get ready to go watch all of them. <laughs> Say less. All right, so we gonna get into what's that question today you got, Mr. Gwallaby's world? We almost done here. All right, what do you think is the most worthwhile place to find meaning in life? Work, family, hobbies, religion, philosophy, or is something entirely different? I mean, uh, I, I didn't hear you saying yourself in that because everything there is a study of self. Religion scientifically is the study of self. Uh, philosophy is man trying to understand a symbiotic relationship with nature and 
how we relate and how we react. Everything is a study itself. So I think more about like sitting in a room by yourself, shit, closing your eyes and actually talking. Man, you'll learn so much about the world. Everything that's a everything that's external is a reflection of what's internal. So the more you find out about yourself, the more you find out about the world. Facts. It's a big ass world out here. Like, especially when you get to say, okay, you got my city, my state, my look, watch this. I'm from Houston, right? Houston is important to Texas. I'm important to Houston. And Houston is important to Texas. Texas is important to America. And America is important to the world. So that means I got to be important to the world. Then the world is important to the solar system. <laughs> so that means I got to be important to the solar system. And when I look at it like that shit, all I got to do is look at myself and I can change anything. Fast. Oh, man. He dropping, he dropping that shit on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. Gems. That's what we call him on here. Gotta take a yeah, shot. Yeah, my partner, my partner say he dropped gems. I say I'm a gym. <laughs> <laughs> you dropping gems and you are a gym. Okay, okay. Right. All right, so let's go ahead and get to that. This or that. gonna give a couple of them and then we'll be down robo uh, it, went, it went robocop i said i said we getting into this or that our, our final segment of the show this or that all right, talk to me. all right so let me see what we got the the rockets or the texans rockets <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the Texans right now. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> I'm fuck the Texans. Mm. And, I'm a, and, and I was a hardcore Texans fan, but right now we ain't we ain't rocking. You go with uh Baylor or the Longhorns. I'ma go Baylor. And I'm from Tate. Yeah, I, I, I used to be going up there, but I'm still going Baylor. All right, snowmobiling or skiing? I know you go around Colorado like certain time of year. So snowmobile. Hey, that shit lit, ain't it? That shit is lit, man. Hey, I'm snowmobile. Look, I bro, I, I be doing some crazy shit. I went skiing before, but that snowmobile shit is like. You can really understand it more than skiing. Like I, in skiing, you fuck around and hurt yourself. I, mm-hmm. I be going, I be doing all kind of shit. I done went, fucking jumped out of planes, all kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, that's no more building. I never went skiing, but that's no more building shit. We both did that shit, so now we already know what that experience is like for real. Yeah, it's like a four wheeler. Yeah, on on hey. snow. On snow. <laughs> yeah, right. On snow, them. Snowmobile and a jet skiing. I'm jet ski. Damn, that shit tough. <laughs> jet tough. Ski. The only reason I'm gonna say jet ski, I guess, because I done done it both. But bro, when you max out on a jet ski, it feel like you flying for real. 
That, that's that's a tough one, man. Cause they both like equally fun. ATVs, yeah, jet skis. I, 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 ain't, I ain't maxing out on a snowmobile. Nah, I'm gonna say jet skis, cause man, I don't like the cold. So. Yeah, yeah. It ain't yeah, like if you are, you on a jet ski, you could it's summertime. You in you ain't had that snow suit on. I don't want you in the water. You know when you in that water, you ain't gotta make no turns. Nothing. You really just going. Yeah, that just yeah. You no, got a point bitch, there. You could just that, go. That, that bitch jump over the waves like you really get like, bro. That shit is crazy the way you jump over waves. Yeah, hey, you right. Yeah, but yeah, they both lit though. I I can't take it away. Nah, Jet skis, ATVs, yeah. and snowmobiles. Nah, you talking? About I ain't had that snowsuit on. I was good though, cause snowmobiles come with. Feet warmers and hand warmers on the throttle in the little, so I was good, bro. As long as my hands and feet warm, I'm good. In your head, yeah, my head, I'm good. Mm. All right, that, I think that's all. This that I got. Let's y'all guys know. Uh, all right, all right, Pop Darby, go ahead and plug your business ventures. Anything you want to plug in, feel free to plug it in. Man, right now I'm gonna tell people download the app Unity as well. Man, all of my contact info is on that app. You can call me, you can text me, you can email me. However, you need to get in contact with me, it ain't gonna be hard. It might not even be me, it might be a virtual assistant, but they're gonna have direct access to me. So just get with me. For sure. Make sure y'all follow them on Instagram too at pop underscore Darby. Follow Unity as well on Instagram. Unity underscore yeah. is underscore wealth. And you see y'all tap in with the IG platform. You know what I'm saying? Nah, for real. That's 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 one of the most valuable tools we got on the planet right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know you can find us. We on Nobody Grinds Like Us Network. Always press record TV. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, all that shit. Yeah, damn, you can follow 1409 on Instagram. Subscribe to the YouTube channel because this, this is on YouTube. And follow me on Instagram at 843 Ambassador. Facts, you know you can follow me, your boy Guala Meets World on IG at Guala Meets World. Music screaming on all the major platforms. Tap in. Yes, sir. All right. We bold, boisterous, and blunt. It's the 1409 podcast, and we out. Peace. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Yes, sir. Yeah.